We are in 2 Timothy chapter 3, that's page 996 if you're using a pew Bible this morning, 996. We're in chapter 3, we're going to begin in verse 10. You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me in Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, which persecutions I endured. Yet from them all the Lord rescued me. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and impostors will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you... Continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through the faith in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. We've been walking through Timothy and... uh... As I've been walking through Timothy, I don't know why, but particularly this week, I began to just think more and more about what it really was like for Timothy. The young man, he's not very old, and uh, all kinds of pressures are coming upon him. And uh, Paul, Paul had great confidence in him. Paul was... Confident that Timothy was the one whom God was going to use as he passed on this mantle. We see that confidence at lots of different places. You see it in the book of Corinthians when Paul says this, I sent to you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of the ways of Christ. We also read about Timothy in Philippians where it says, Paul I hope to send Timothy to you soon, for I have no one like him who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare, for they seek their own interest and not the interests of Jesus Christ. But with all that said, with all that confidence that Paul had, Paul was in prison. This one whom Timothy had had followed as, as he had followed Christ, as Paul had followed Christ, was now in prison. And, and the prospects of him getting out of prison were not good. Paul himself didn't believe he would get out this time. Paul would die. And you just think about Timothy, this one whom, whom had mentored him, who had been with him, who had had great confidence in him. It's one thing when the one who has confidence in you is still living, but He's going to not be there. Timothy's going to lose his mentor. And I think what was happening for Timothy was that there were temptations that were rising up within him. I think Paul saw there were temptations rising up within Timothy. I think the temptation to fear, uh, the temptation to discouragement, the temptation to feeling overwhelmed, all of those things, Paul, I think, realized Timothy was susceptible to that. Those temptations were pressing in upon him, particularly was the fact that he was not going to be there. Paul also felt the weight of passing on this 
testimony. And, and he was relying on Timothy to be part of that passing on. And so Paul writes, I think, some, some straight talk to Timothy now because of the danger of all of these things. I mean, he didn't just decide to say these things to Timothy out of the blue. They were in the context of what I think Paul knew Timothy was experiencing. And so they take on a, a, a more poignant, I hope, um, admonition as we read him, when we think about what Timothy must have been experiencing at this point. Now, you think about it for a minute. It wasn't as though Timothy could do it now and look back and say, for 2,000 years, Christianity has survived. I mean, this was in the infancy of the church, the infancy of this message going to the world. Timothy was one of the inner circle of those to whom this deposit was going to be passed on to. Majority of people weren't embracing it. He was in the minority, a, a small minority, who were embracing this message. All of that, you see what was swirling around, all that was at stake when all this was happening. And so what we find, I think, here now is that Paul is writing the antidote to Timothy of how to not give in to that fear, how to not give in to that discouragement, how to not let the overwhelmingness of the task overwhelm him. And I think he writes three things. He admonishes Timothy in three different ways here in this text um, to come against the trouble. And we read about the trouble last week. Um, The trouble is people. The trouble that Timothy was experiencing in Ephesus as he was there leading the church, as this was being written to him, and he was hearing these words, was full of people like the ones described in chapter 3. Listen, in the last days there will be times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with the conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. That's a description, as we talked last week, not of people outside the church, but people in the church, which made it even more difficult. It's one thing to experience people like that outside of the church, but Timothy was experiencing people who had attached themselves to the church, who were like that, because it says, avoid such people. Paul would have never said to avoid such people who were in the world. These were people who were on the inside. These were insiders, if you will, that were creating havoc with this deposit and this message and trying to undo things because of their own selfish desires. You see the things that were pressing in upon Timothy? You see the weight that he must have been feeling? The the circumstance to which Paul is writing now when he says, you however, you however. And what he is really saying is, you however, continue in what you have learned. Hold steady, Timothy. Don't give in to fear. Don't get in to disillusionment and discouragement and the overwhelming feelings. And then he 
says in the middle of that how to do it, how, how to come against it. Three things that I want to talk about this morning. Three ways in which I think Paul says, come against it, press against it, don't give in to it. First of all, remember my life. Remember my life. Paul speaking of his own life. Remember our time together, Timothy. Remember our relationship. Remember the things you have seen in that relationship of me and what you've learned. Secondly, he said, I think, remember my persecutions. Not, not just my life and how I've lived my life, but remember the persecutions that we've experienced, that I've experienced. And thirdly, remember um, a precept. And he gives that at the end, a precept. So remember my life, remember my persecutions, remember this precept. First of all, remember my life. We don't often speak like this, do we? It seems as though Paul is kind of being just out there when he says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my way of, my aim of life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that have happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. Why can he speak like that? How would he dare speak like that? Because he knew Timothy had seen it. There was, there was no hypocrisy in it. I mean, he had, he had seen Paul in all of this. He had been an insider. He had witnessed Paul. And Paul was confident that as Timothy remembered that, it would have a steadying effect for him. It would have a steadying effect in his life. I think, I think he was saying, remember my passion for the gospel, Timothy. And Paul had a passion for the gospel. That was, that was the core of what he lived for, was this deposit and what it had done in his life and what he knew it could do for others and, and his mandate to pass it on. Paul was the one who wrote in Philippians, remember, to the Philippian church? Um, I'd, I'd rather go and be with Christ. I'd rather go and be with him. But I don't think I will. I don't think it's my time this time. Now, he's at a circumstance now that he knows it is his time, but that time it wasn't. Paul somehow knew he was not going to leave this earth. And then he goes on to say, it would be better if I did. It would be better to go and be with Christ and to be away from all of this. But it is better for you if I stay. And if I stay, I am going to stay for your progress and joy in the faith. That's the kinds of things that he witnessed in Paul's life. That kind of a passion. That kind of a purpose, which was actually absolutely the opposite of what he had just described. He says people will be lovers of self. Timothy had witnessed Paul, who in fact was not a lover of his own life. And Paul was confident that Timothy had, had witnessed that. So he, he first of all, remember, he says, remember my life, remember my purpose. Remember all of those times we were together and you saw it. You saw that passion. Let it encourage you to keep on keeping on. And then he goes on to say, not only, not only my purpose, but my virtues. He, he begins to describe his virtues. He says, you, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, 
my faith, my patience, and my steadfastness. Again, Paul was confident. I'm sure he was not not one to, I think, boast that he was perfect. He wasn't doing that. He was just realized that Timothy had been with him enough and he'd watched him enough that it would help him. And all of those things, my conduct, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, had to do with how he interacted with other people. How he dealt with some of these people within the church who attached themselves to Christianity, who were professors but not possessors of the faith. And how he had dealt with them with patience and love and steadfastness. You've watched me, Timothy, deal with it. Persevere as you deal with it. He was confident there was something steadying about that. And, and you know, there is. I'm grateful in my own life. I'm grateful over these years of ministry that I've had, years in faith, really, um, of, of the people that God has put in my life who have had a steadying effect for me, who, who because they were there and because of what I witnessed in their lives and how they dealt with things, and how they stayed steadfast, and how they continued to to be confident of what they knew and had learned and believed, that they steadied me. I've had people in my life who had a deep passion for the gospel um, and and a deep passion for God's word. I, I remember a number of times where people would, God would bring people into my life in these years of ministry, and I remember particularly early on in ministry when, when I was trying to get my head fully around what, what the scriptures were saying and at the same time trying to pastor. And I remember uh, individuals who I would hear speak and I remember thinking to myself, they know something about God that I don't know. They know something about who he is that, that I don't know. And I, I remember seeking them out and, and wanting to get close to them and wanting to find out really kind of what made them tick and what that secret was. And there were, there were along the way, along my path, people like that that God gave me. And they held me steady. They helped me in times of discouragement and, and uh, times when I would be fearful about leading the church. And, and they steadied me. And we all need that. You, we all need people in our lives who do that for us. Um, if you're a young person here this morning, I say to you, you need people like that in your life. I needed them in my life back then. I still need them. And I still look to them. But I really needed them when I was young. People that were older than I was in the faith, sometimes older in age. And I could look to them I could be steadied by their life. I could watch how they dealt with circumstances. I could watch how they dealt with difficult experiences, how they dealt with people in loving ways who were not easy to deal with. It had a steadying effect in my life. That is so important, I think. Paul knew it was important for Timothy, and it's important for us. It's important for you young people. One of the things I will always be grateful for um, here at Richland is that that we didn't have the liberty to somehow um, 
segregate the church. And by, by that I mean not by, not by race, but by, by age. Sometimes we'd say we, we don't believe in segregation, and yet oftentimes the church you will find is segregated by age groups, by preferences of different ages and how they want to do things, how they want to do corporate worship, if you will. So we segregate the church. And what that does, I think, I believe, is really damage the church because you don't have the cross-pollination of the generations. You don't have the cross-pollinations of people of faith and generations. And I'm so grateful that God didn't put me in a place where I, I could be tempted to do that early on. We had to do it together. We continue to have to do it together. And there's great value in that. And I say to you, young people, don't ever, when you, if you leave here, don't let them do that to you. We need other people. We need people who are older us in the faith and older us by age to be mentors to us that we can look to that will have a steadying effect for us and a help for us. That's what Paul was to Timothy. He steadied him. He helped him. Timothy saw the genuineness of his faith and it strengthened him and Paul knew that. He, he saw one like Paul who was not full of himself. That the gospel had transformed Paul to be concerned about the interests of others. That's, that's foundationally what the gospel does. It, it changes that inward look, which is the heart of every man. What does this have to do with me? How does this affect me? To How does it affect God and his glory? Paul was about the glory of God. And uh, he reminds Timothy of that here, really. The second thing he, he says is, remember my persecutions. Not only remember my life, my purpose, my virtues, as you've watched me interact with people, but, but watch my persecutions. He said to him, you, um, the persecutions and sufferings that happened at a, an Antioch and Iconium and Lystra here in this text. And Paul's, Paul's persecutions were many. They're probably recounted to us best in the book of 2 Corinthians. Timothy had had witnessed these kinds of things that I'm going to read to you out of Corinthians about um, either firsthand or hearing Paul talk about them. But listen to how Paul describes some of those things. These are the kinds of things that he said look to. Paul writes, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, a night and a day. I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys and in danger from rivers, in danger from robbers, in danger of my own people, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at uh, sea, and danger from false brothers, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart From the other things, there is the daily pressure of me, the anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak? Am I not weak? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. That's what Paul was saying. Remember, Timothy, my persecutions. Remember my weakness. But in the midst of that, as he says that, to remember that about the way the Lord rescued me, he says, um, 
my persecutions, it says in Timothy, and my sufferings that happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, which persecutions I endured, yet from them all the Lord rescued me. What did he want him to know? He wanted to know that God had been with Paul. Paul had been weak. Paul had suffered greatly for the gospel, but the Lord had been with him. There's something about there's something about hearing about that in the lives of other believers. Hearing about their weakness at a point where God had to step in and help them and God's grace was real to them and real to the circumstance. I think that's what Paul was saying. You saw the power of God in my weakness, Timothy, and he'll do the same for you. I said already to young people, don't, don't run away from the generations. Don't let churches segregate you into your own age group. Second thing I would say to you, really to all of us, is read, read Christian biographies. Read about the saints. Read about those who have gone before us and experienced some of these kinds of things. Read about how God in their weakness brought deliverance and help to them. We can be encouraged by that. The reality of God in the midst of that is a powerful thing. And we need to know it. Timothy needed to know it. Timothy needed to hear it. In 2 Corinthians, a little earlier, chapter 4, there's another place where Paul writes these words um, in verse 7. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God. And not us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body of death Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. And that's exactly what Timothy, I think, was being reminded of. Reminded of the weakness, but that the life of Jesus was being manifested in Paul's life, the power of Christ in him and helping him in his deliverance. So first of all, remember remember my life, remember my persecutions. And then he throws one last thing, I think, that would be helpful for Timothy. And that's just an admonition of of what's going to happen. And you find it again in the text. Look there with me um, in verse 12. This admonition. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All inclusive. Timothy, you're tempted to fear. You're tempted to despair. You're tempted to feel overwhelmed. Well, those temptations are going to come par for the course because everyone who desires to follow Christ experiences the kinds of things that you're experiencing that would tempt you to go there. Now, Paul doesn't want him to go there. In fact, he's writing this to tell him so he won't go there. But he wants him to know, Timothy, this is not something unusual that's happening to you. But it is fact par for the course. It is what the road 
that you are going to walk down will be like. It was for me as it was for me. It will be for you as it was for Christ. It was for Paul. And as it was for Paul, it will be for Timothy. That's what he's trying to help Timothy to see. Understand. Understand that what Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you. Isn't it fascinating that that's the case? Isn't it fascinating? You think about this for a minute, what they did to Jesus. Most people who, who don't embrace him even as, as Savior will often just say he was an incredibly good person. In fact, that's oftentimes one of the things. Jesus was not God. He was just a good person. He was a great teacher. C.S. Lewis used to talk about the lunacy of that, um, to say Jesus was just a great teacher, because he said things about who he was, that if he were a great teacher and they weren't true, he was a great liar. But, but the truth of the matter is, people will acknowledge he was a great teacher, that he was a good guy. Many want to embrace that. And yet, they crucified him. In fact, he was good. He was the essence of goodness. He was the essence of goodness. Doesn't that tell us something about the heart of man, that, that the, the best person who ever lived was persecuted for it? I think it's a reflection of what the text goes on to say here when it says... Um, Indeed, all who live desire, uh, lived, desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse. The downward cycle of the heart of man. In light of the goodness of God and the goodness of Christ, they crucified him. They couldn't handle his goodness. And in fact, the same thing will happen to his followers. As God by the power of the gospel, begins to change our hearts. There's something that makes a world uneasy about that. Now, we certainly shouldn't, shouldn't cause it to happen. We, sh- we should not suffer for our own stupidity or, or, or uh, ways in which we do things that bring it upon ourselves. But, but the fact that we are Christians, people will be uncomfortable with that as we live out that life of faith. And, and we should think, well, we'll just be better and they'll be better. Well, the truth of the matter is there's something about that that works against it. And it did for Christ. It got him crucified. The scripture says plainly, if we desire to live a godly life, we will be persecuted. There will be a price to pay for living out the gospel. Timothy, just know it. There will be a price to pay for it. So, what's his goal? What's his goal in saying, watch my life, remember my persecutions, realize that persecution is just part of the road you walk. He says it all to say, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Don't, don't, don't forsake what you know is true. Hold firmly. In essence, what Paul is saying, I think, is God has always had a people. He always will have a people. And he will preserve those people. He will preserve you. He will preserve this message, Timothy. Take heart. 
battle against being discouraged, battle against timidity, and, and take this deposit to the world. Timothy needed to know that he was a part of something bigger than himself. That God was working, that God was moving, that what was happening wasn't unusual, but it was part of, of what God was designing. Are you tempted sometimes to get discouraged? Tempted sometimes to be fearful? Listen to Paul's words. Find people. Find people who you can get close to and watch their lives and watch them deal with these kinds of things. Let it be an encouragement to you. Read Christian biographies. Read about those who've gone before us. And realize that you're part of what God is doing. It's it's part of what he's doing in the world to have this deposit go forth. And trust him. Trust him to be your deliverer. Trust him to be your helper. This morning we sang the song, He Will Hold You Fast. That song is a powerful testimony to the grace of God, the powerful testimony to the grace that Paul knew was available to all who walk this way. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe, maybe you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you're wondering about this thing that you're involved in. Take heart. Take heart. This is, this is God working and moving. He's always had a people. He's, gonna, he's going to preserve those people and he will hold us fast. Let's sing together. Let's stand as we close. I fear my faith will fail Christ will hold me fast When the tempter would prevail He will hold me fast I could never keep my hold Through life's fearful path For my love is often cold He must hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so He will hold me fast Those he saves are his delight Christ will hold me fast Precious in his holy sight He will hold me fast He'll not let my soul be lost His promises shall last But by him at such a cost He will hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast 
me so He will hold me fast He will hold me fast He will hold me fast For my Savior loves me so He will hold me fast. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful that the scripture doesn't hide the humanness of those that it speaks of. We're grateful for a window into this circumstance that Timothy was experiencing. These temptations to pull back, these temptations to be timid, these temptations to fear, to discouragement. Lord, we're grateful that you show us that your saints experienced all that and at the same time give us antidotes in our own lives of how to push against it. I pray, Father, today that that we would know that we're part of what God is doing in the world, that we are confident of what we have believed and what we have trusted in. And though the world will press against it, though they will at times maybe violently press against it, you're continuing to take your truth forward. This deposit will continue to spread and affect the lives of people, Lord. You'll not let it be thwarted. And so, Lord, we thank you for that. We praise you for that. And we pray we'll go in that confidence. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go in God's peace.